The Money Show. Business Unusual. With Colin Cullis. There is a new development in this uh, one MDB scandal, Colin Cullis, um, and it's a U.S. court case which has just got underway, which I think will start to answer some of the long-held questions. This goes back, what, more than a decade? Yeah, Bruce, it's uh, it's over seven years now since uh, the, the first big questions uh, started being unearthed about the, the scandal. Uh, this fund itself was uh, first created in 2009 uh, and at the time was was considered to be a fantastically clever way merging economies using the best of big finance and investment uh, to amplify and grow their economies thanks to young bright dynamic ambitious financiers big bankers etc i mean had all the hallmarks of this is what the future was going to be made out of and i suppose 2008 2009 just everything tech world everything was just uh, all coming up roses and so that's what it looked like and the reason for raising it this evening i suppose is uh, we get to have a business unusual edition of a, a support group for citizens of countries who got looted by dodgy business people and corrupt politicians because south africa is overdue waiting to see what's going to come from all of the investigations, both journalistic and, uh, you know, criminal ones by by, by the State Capture Commission, etc. And, and waiting for the court cases now to begin and for the people to be, uh, you know, be brought to book. Um, we, we have to realize that it takes an incredibly long period of time. And even so, um, you might not get the sort of outcomes that you look for. So uh, the, the first allegations of, of criminal investigation began in 2015 in this particular case. Uh, we're now in 2022. The prime minister has been found guilty of some of the charges. There is a, and he's on appeal for that one. Uh, a new case that began in August last year is ongoing. Um, only one person so far, uh, an employee at Goldman Sachs, has admitted his guilt and become state's witness. Um, I'm not sure that he's received his sentencing yet. It, it, it is dependent on whether or not the second case, which is the one that's underway now in the US, of the head of the investment banking in Malaysia, uh, who denies his guilt, uh, is underway. Um, and, and the man at the center of it all, well, he's yet to be tracked down and, and, and face uh, anything in a court. Uh, but I thought I'd tell you the story because it is, it is kind of fascinating in its audaciousness. You kind of are left once again wondering, how did anybody not believe something was seriously fishy here? Because when you look at the, the the course of events, it was absolutely written as large as you can imagine. So it really does beg a belief sometimes how um, we just go with this stuff. And, and possibly there's a lack of oversight or we just want to believe that the, a good story is is thankfully a good story. Uh, and hopefully there are some of those. I'm not trying to say all all successful people, all amazing moonshot uh, campaigns honestly bad. Um, but when you've got a really ambitious financier and uh, and a politician that does have a, a lot of power and a, and, a, and a bit of love of of the good life, and then you can expect something to happen. So here's how it turns out. This, this is centered in Malaysia, uh, 2009, the, the scheme comes together. The, the son of the, the uh, Malaysian prime minister, Najib Razak, is at school, a uh, very, very um, high prestigious school in London, uh, with the financier at the center of this, Joe Lowe. Um, and as a consequence of their sort of friendship, uh, understands that there might be an opportunity for him to put a deal together. So he reaches out to uh, the prime minister and suggests as they form a sovereign wealth fund. And I'm going to circle back around that at the end of this conversation, because I'm sure you've had lots of conversations about it. <laughs> and I raise it now as well, because yeah. you know, South Africa has floated the idea of having one. Tito Bebeni back in 2019 figured the proceeds from, from a mining windfall tax and the current 
uh, spectral auction that is finally got underway should be put into a sovereign wealth fund and invested for the benefit of South Africans, possibly dealing with some of the issues with, uh, you know, our basic income grants or, or things of that nature. But the, the, the challenge with these things in the past is that they sounded like great ideas, tend to get handed to a couple of people who um, run them as they see fit with not a lot of, whole of oversight or transparency. So anyway, this is what is put forward uh, for, for Malaysia. Uh, raise some funds, use those funds to invest in energy projects, so uh, allowing for Malaysia's growing economy and its population to be better sourced with renewable, reliable sources of electricity. Um, they partner with Goldman Sachs and uh, do some work with uh, an, an established fund uh, related to the, to the Saudis, uh, and, and the fund is created. Investors see this. They see Malaysia has been uh, you know, a good uh, country to invest in. They see Goldman Sachs has been a trustworthy bank uh, to put this together, and six and a half billion dollars is raised over the course of, of sort of 2009 through to sort of 2011, 2012, when the fund has sort of reached its maximum. Uh, as a consequence, the, the man in the middle of all this, Joe Lowe, uh, begins you know, reaping the benefits of his, of his, of his labors. Uh, at the time in 2012, he just turned 30. Uh, and he took to buying private yachts, uh, private jets, uh, fantastic, lavish gifts that he would give to people. Uh, he invested in rare artworks, Monet's, Van Gogh's. Uh, and, and the pinnacle, I suppose, when people really said, who is this guy? Uh, and just how did he make his money? You know, how, how brilliant is he? Uh, came in 2012 when he celebrated his 30th birthday uh, by building a 20,000 square meter tent, including its own Ferris wheel inside, hired the who's who of American celebrity, including Cy. This is the, the man who gave us Gangnam Style, which in 2012 was the global yes, hit. huge. Yeah. New YouTube, rec YouTube records, first, first YouTube video ever to get a billion views. Uh, he performed at the party and supposedly paid over $100,000, and they just say a six-figure sum, so at least $100,000, for Britney Spears to jump out of a cake, of all things. Uh, Paris Hilton, all the A-list celebrities are there uh, pouring champagne over him. This is back in the day when Paris Hilton was still, I suppose, a, a thing. Um, and anyway, everybody was just like so taken in with this guy. He, he seemed to be an absolute genius. But then, thankfully, some people also ask, well, a 30-year-old, all of this amount of money and ability to spend it all, like how much more money must he be earning if this is the kind of spending he can do? And so questions began to be asked because he was now famous. And um, by 2015, those wheels, as they invariably, thankfully, always do, began to wobble very badly, uh, principally because the banks and bondholders that had uh, stumped up for that uh, fund uh, hadn't received the first of the, the, the expected payments they were supposed to get. Uh, and according to the court papers, et cetera, of the $6.5 billion that was raised, Four billion got funneled off into his own little front companies and extra little bits and pieces with uh, almost a billion supposedly going to the prime minister and his family. Uh, his wife apparently really enjoyed the good life and enjoyed a good bag and a good bit of jewelry and, and spent quite a bit on that. Um, and then to uh, the, 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 the two employees at the center of this at Goldman Sachs who also uh, stood to gain a whole lot. Goldman Sachs themselves, $600 million in fees which, um, you know, it's not that they don't charge a lot anyway, but that is exorbitant by, by their standards. And as a, as a consequence for just how big of a house of cards this was when it came down, Goldman Sachs was compelled to admit its guilt, pay almost $4 billion itself in fines, 
Um, and it's two staff now who are on the hook uh, for this, uh, you know, are facing the charges. This, this, by the way, considering 2008 and the whole financial crisis and goodness knows how many other things uh, supposedly very large banks get involved with and seemingly walk away from, the first time in Goldman Sachs over 150-year history that has actually said, yep, this is on us. We, we should have uh, uh, prevented this and prevented people losing money. And, and the real casualty, I suppose, is those, those people and the investors who put the money in who now are going to have to wait a very, very long time to pay it back. And the people who are going to pay it back are the citizens of Malaysia, who for the next 30 years will have to take money that should have been spent on their development and stump it up to go and pay those bondholders who are losing out. So it's a lose-lose situation. Again, I'm pretty sure South Africans will see par- parallels with that. Huge parallels. Yes, um, abso- absolutely. It, feels, it feels very, very close to home. This is far more sophisticated and far more premeditated. I think ours was more of a slow burn of opportunism over time, and then we just industrialized it and stole lots of money. But this, this was, as an isolated case, terrifyingly thought through. And, you know, and here's, here's some of the audacity and maybe the irony of it. Amongst the various things that this Joe Lowe had decided to invest in uh, was uh, fancy hotels, um, music companies, and movies. He, he had a, a liking for Hollywood. And one of the movies that turned out to be a great success was The Wolf of Wall Street. Here was a guy <laughs> who would rip people off with money he didn't have, investing in a movie to become a smash hit, about a guy who did the exact same thing. And I suppose the, the crazy thing, as I've told you, the court cases are underway and people are, are facing uh, various convictions for this thing, except him. And I suppose then he's, he's off in China somewhere and uh, escaping extradition on that basis. But I wonder if I can get away with saying that he is, he is lying low. This is how we can describe him, uh, because that's certainly what he's up to at the moment. I did ask in a poll before the show uh, with South Africa's case, will we see justice served for state capture? And... Uh, just under 10% said, absolutely, bless them. Uh, 23% said, small chance. I suppose those are the realists. 52%, the majority, said no way. And, and maybe the most pragmatic of those at 14% said, at least it was uncovered. And this is the only takeout I suppose we can have for cases like this, is that these high flowers, these audacious guys, uh, when they try and do these things, at some point, somebody really does sort of smell a rat. Uh, and when they do start picking it apart and it's sad to say that often it's some dogged journalist who is never going to get anything near the kind of return for the efforts um, that, that winds up saving the country or you know, the company billions um, is the one often at the center of these things. And of course, the, the very dutiful and, and good conscious whistleblowers who themselves also see absolutely nothing out of this, um, even though the, the, those found guilty. Uh, in this case, the, the the Prime Minister of Malaysia, for the six counts I think he has been found guilty of for this first set of convictions, is a 12-year sentence. Uh, poultry, by most people's accounts, considering that I don't see that all of the money Nestle has been recouped and he's certainly undertaken to pay it all back. He is facing a whole bunch of extra charges still, so we'll see what happens with those. But I thought for this evening an opportunity to have a look at some of those unusual ways people are trying to rip us off. As it turns out, not so unusual at all. And that, that's the problem, I think. It's incredibly commonplace, and you know we've just uh, we stopped being shocked. The only person who's shocked about all of this stuff is our president. Um, but yes, deep shock. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. Colin Cullors with Business Unusual, uh, one MDB case dragging on, and I, I suppose I'll take some comfort from the fact that this is a case that's six or seven years old, and the Americans really only just getting 
to putting their feet under the desk on this one as well. So, yes, there have been some prosecutions. We could do with some prosecutions too in South Africa, but a couple of high-profile prosecutions, a couple of successful, quick, quick, quick prosecutions or settlements with people who say, you know, I I would promise to turn state's witness. I will uh, blab on my former buddies and I will I will help you out. That sort of activity, I think, would go a long way to uh, improving our mood as a country. I think it would.